to Tea Tonic and Toxin, a book club and podcast for anyone who wants to explore the best mysteries and thrillers ever written. I'm your host, Sarah Harrison. And I'm your host, Carolyn Daughters. Pour yourself a cup of tea, a gin and tonic, but not a toxin, and join us on a journey through 19th and 20th century mysteries and thrillers, every one of them a game changer. Carolyn. Sarah, we're back with Karen Pierce. Yes. If you didn't listen to our episode all about her new book, Recipes for Murder, go back and listen to that one. For sure. It's awesome. Yeah. Karen is Karen is a lot of fun. Karen, you're a detective fiction devotee, food lover, and Agatha Christie super fan. You've attended and volunteered. All right. Is this Anthony... Butcher or Anthony Boucher? How do you say this name? Okay, so I'm Canadian, so I say Boucher Con. But Boucher every Con? time I go to Boucher, it's okay. Boucher Con, mm-hmm. right? Um, every time I go to Boucher Con, the Americans always correct mm-hmm. me and say it's Boucher Con because that's how he pronounced it. But if you were in France and you said Boucher Con, people would just like point at you and laugh. Sure. So, so it's a convention, so it's Con. It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. Bouchercon or, or Bouchercon. But he pronounced his name Boucher. Boucher. Mm-hmm. All right. Good discussion. There <laughs> 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 it is. Because ages, because it's really hard for a Canadian who's grown up with French as our second language mm. to, to say it so flatly. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's such an American accent. It's yeah. just weird. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. funny words like that here. Yeah. <laughs> Even regionally, they don't agree. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so you volunteered at several Anthony Boucher Memorial World Mystery Conventions and have taken pilgrimages to... Now, you said this one different from us, too. It's Torquay. You s- Torquay. Torquay mm-hmm. and Greenway House. Mm-hmm. Christie's hometown yeah. and home. Pierce lives in Toronto, Canada. Now, your book is awesome. I'm going to read a summary there. Poisons, knives, and bullets riddle the stories of Agatha Christie, but so does food, which she uses to invoke settings, to develop characters, and of course, to commit murder. This To Die For cookbook offers recipes written by the author for one accessible, easy-to-follow dish or drink for each of Christie's 66 mysteries. Recipes include fish and chips at the Seven Dials Club, Literary Luncheon Meringues, Oysters Rockefeller on the Orient Express, Sixpence Blackbird Pie, Orange Marmalade from Gossington Hall, and more. Along the way, you'll learn how to make an exquisite omelet, how to roast a leg of lamb properly, and how to serve perfectly timed steak frites. Framing these dishes are insightful essays and headnotes that detail the history of the recipes, their context in Christie's life and times, and the roles they play in the source works. Based on extensive research and investigation, all dishes appear traditional to their respective errors. So, steak fried for 1923, but marinated and grilled for 1964. Completing the collection, thematic menus assemble recipes for a Halloween murder mystery gathering, a Christie for Christmas, a book club buffet, and other occasions, making it a filling tribute to the grand dame of detective fiction. Welcome, Karen. We're so excited to have you for a second episode. 
Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here again. This yeah. is great fun. Yeah. And when you were reading that, Sarah, it occurred to me there was one, probably a hundred, but one question that I didn't ask in our last interview about food, but it's really hard to make a um, a, a good omelet. <laughs> like, Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I'm very excited to try that particular recipe because I... Um, I, I know how to put eggs in a pan. I know how to make it look sort of like an omelet, but it's not it's not a beautiful thing. And so, yeah. Well, a secret is an ex-boyfriend taught me this, mm. but I'm not giving you his name. He's getting no credit. Okay. <laughs> um, but it works every time for me. Mm. I don't like the squishy bits. Mm -hmm. So this is one that you can literally flip. Ah, good. Nice. Okay. I like so it. So give it a go. Follow it exactly. Mm -hmm. It's like fill your egg. Your you you break your egg in half and mm. you fill it just with water. Mm -hmm. Cover it for that one. Leave it open for a minute. Cover it for the two minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. If you do it exactly the way it says, it'll be perfect every time. But oh, uh, you're okay. right. I I found them tricky. He taught me the trick. I'm I, gonna try that. I'm gonna try it tomorrow morning. I think. Yeah. 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 I read. Um, her name flew out of my head. Hmm. The most famous cookbook author of all time. Oh, Julia Child. Julia Child. I yes. read her memoir. And yeah, she has extensive um, writing about omelets as mm. well in her mm -hmm. first like French omelet. Well, and omelets are right? really, really old. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Like they're like one of the original foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like when figure you could just take eggs and add anything and it mm -hmm. made a food. Mm -hmm. And and so armies and and legions of armies lived on eggs in mm -hmm. different ways i lived on eggs in grad school mm -hmm. exactly because <laughs> they're cheap yeah exactly i'll, I'll yeah. just throw in one more historical tidbit i didn't realize but in this i was telling you i was reading this historical puddings book and it dates back to like medieval times mm. like pre-chicken domestication when even eggs were rare and people had to go out and forage eggs wow. out of birds' yeah. nests. I was like, I guess that makes total sense, mm. but I never thought of it. Mm -mm. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah. So, uh, Karen, you're an Agatha Christie aficionado and I think have been since childhood. Tell me or tell us about like when you started reading Agatha Christie and how you got hooked. Yeah. Well, you know, I'd read all the Bobsy twins mm. and and all the Nancy Drews and the Hardy Boys mm -hmm. and the Trixie Beldens and everything that was available to me in, mm -hmm. in young fiction. Mm -hmm. And then we were spending March break at my grandmother's. And I have a younger brother and sisters, so they're out playing in the yard and I'm, you know, being lounging <laughs> as an 11-year-old, you know. And um, I found the third girl on her bedside table and sat down and read it and mm -hmm. was like, woo! Now, many Christie aficionados say, and you still read a second one? Oh, <laughs> um, really? The third girl is not one of her best. Mm -hmm. But, you know, picture it. I was 11. I'm reading about swinging London and mm -hmm. Chelsea. And mm -hmm. yeah, it was just, whoa. Right. So I was hooked. And then I went on to read them all. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in my 20s, I started collecting them all at uh, used bookstores. Mm -hmm. And they're just comfort books. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us see them that way. Um, you know, when life's the shits, just read a Christie because you'll laugh. 
there'll be a little bit of love. Everything will work out in the end. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, it's, it's comfort food. Yeah. So, so I still read them. You know, I did a lot in my 30s. I've needed them less, but mm -hmm. I still, you know, I've reread them, of course, over the last 10 years, about four times each, wow. <laughs> trying to get every bit out of it. But um, yeah, I love these books. They're so well written. They're still so accessible. Their themes are, you know, they're almost Shakespearean mm -hmm. in tone. I mean, there's not that much new under the sun and mm -hmm. these themes are all the same mm -hmm. and they're just really, really well done. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, mysteries have always, for me, been sort of literary comfort food as well. And yeah. my childhood sounds, you know, from a reading standpoint, very similar to yours. And um, and you didn't, when you read, um, when you, you know, picked the book up, um, The Third Girl off your grandmother's bedside table, you didn't have other Agatha Christie to compare it against, which is why you kept reading. Is it's, It was yeah, exactly. ph phenomenal. And then you read others, and you, you probably discovered, like, wow, she's got some incredible books and 66 yeah. novels and and have you read yeah. all the stories have you read all the plays you read, well, I've read all the all 66 novels mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. um i have read now apparently she did 30 plays i'm gonna say i've probably only read about five or six of those mm -hmm. um of the short story collections, I'm going to say I've read most of them. I have not read most of the collections two or three times. Mm -hmm. So I'm not as familiar with them. I'm mm -hmm. working my way through those collections right now. Yeah. But I'm also working my way through all her bi autobiographies and biographies. Mm. Really interesting. Yeah. So she wrote her own autobiography. She wrote Come Tell Me How You Live, which is really about her life in mm -hmm. the Middle East. Mm -hmm. She wrote about her world tour. Mm -hmm. So getting through all of those. And then her sixth book she wrote as uh, Mary Westmacott as well, hmm. which aren't really, I don't know, people want to call them romance, but they're more like, they're more like just sort of, you know, chick novels really mm -hmm. they're understanding the mysteries of relationships yeah yeah and this is really how christy worked out a lot of those problems in her mind she worked them out by writing them out and mm -hmm. uh so a lot of the character characters in those um books are self-driven mm -hmm. and um yeah she explores different parts of her life that she really just never understood mm-hmm Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know there was that much. I'm actually pretty new to mysteries. I didn't realize. Are all her plays, are they 30 different works or are they adaptations of her fiction? Both. Okay. There's both. And sometimes there's two plays to one fiction, you know, mm -hmm. to one, oh, one story. Oh, really? Right, yeah. Well, Witness for the Prosecution is a short story. Mm-hmm. And then it was adapted onto a play. Mm -hmm. And then there's movies that have used the, the short story. And then there's mm -hmm. movies that have used the play. Oh. And then, uh, and then there were none, which you have read, has been performed all over the place in all sorts of different mm -hmm. ways. Mm -hmm. um, so she did not write. She did write a play for that. But I think it's called, it's called something completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, both. Black Coffee is a, is an original standalone play. Mm -hmm. I saw one when I was at the festival this year. Mm -hmm. um, Towards Zero, which is a book, 
she wrote a play for it, which had never been performed. Oh, wow. And, yeah, Dr. Julius Green, who's a theater writer of, uh, has written a book about her theater works, he found it. And uh, so at the festival this year, a group of actors did a read-through of it. How it cool. was so wonderful. That's it's funny. slightly different from the book. So it's totally differently written. But um, yeah, that was so much fun to see. And That's hear. very cool. Mm-hmm. Do you keep up with all of like the film and TV adaptations as well to see? Thanks. I don't say I keep up with them. I've certainly seen everything that Masterpiece Theater has put out mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. And um, I've seen, you know, some of the older ones, certainly. I saw the originals of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret Rutherford is not one of my faves, so I haven't really gotten into hers. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I know I've read most of them, and I've been to see the, the latest three by Kenneth Branaghan. And um, I have opinions on the Sarah Phelps ones. But I, I've enjoyed the Kenneth ones. I, I think they've been great. Nice. Um He's made him a little too feisty for my taste. It's <laughs> not fist fighting. He just mm-hmm. doesn't. Right. No. right. But, Have you uh, seen the latest than, uh, one? Is it scary? Yes. Is it actually scary? Because the preview it's looks too scary. That, okay. It's, no. I mean, you know it's going to work out in the end. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little bit. And, you know, Agatha Christie didn't believe in ghosts. So mm-hmm. really there are no, no ghosts in her mm-hmm. stories. Mm-hmm. So. I'll just put it like that. But I think it's quite well done because I think he relayed less on the on the the book. Mm-hmm. So he took the idea of the book and then he wrote a good story for it. And I think that that's that's how it works best. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what he did. Brain. Yeah, I feel like Kenneth Branagh. Um, that's what he does in the movies. Is they do feel different to me, and he he is a very different Poirot to me. Um, yes. he's, he's of, of course good in everything he does. Um, he's yeah. not my favorite Poirot, but, <laughs> yeah. um, the movies, they're super entertaining. I have not seen a haunting in Venice either, which is based on, I think, a Halloween party. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of. So I mean, it's it's loosely based on Halloween Party, but that's that's well, the he's source taken material. the characters' mm-hmm. names mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and use them. They're not the same characters at oh, all. Okay. Um, but there's plots from other books mm-hmm. in there mm-hmm. that have almost more influence than the Halloween Party. So. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, see it soon though. It's Halloween. So I know. Yeah. I almost yeah. did, but I'm so scared of horror. And they made the preview <laughs> oh, oh, so scary. I've never even seen The Exorcist. Okay, I've never the the, the scariest movie I've seen is The Birds. Mm. Oh yeah, that's pretty scary. And I will never watch that. <laughs> that's, that's a scary one. I just don't I go remember that. It. Like I don't want to be scared. Life yeah. is scary enough. Yeah. So, no, I don't go for horror. This is not horror. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, right. it's a little it's a little out there for Christy. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with the movies mm. and a little bit with the series, in the series, it does it a different way. But in the movies, mm. the problem is the books. Uh, the mystery is the main character. Mm. Not not Poirot. Sure. Not, not the victim. Not the killer. The mystery is the main character. Yeah. But when you make a movie, you need to have a character drive it. Mm-hmm. So this is why they keep putting in backstories and having them do 
things that do things that they would normally tell other people to do and stuff like that. I think that's, you know, why um, he's focused on the mustache and the, and the past <laughs> loves and yes. the things like that, right? Because he's trying to create this very solid character right. that you relate to then and follow through on, on the movie. Yeah, that makes sense. But this is very, and, and um, David Suchet did it a little bit differently by being the perfect Poirot. Yes. Um, what the series did was focus on Miss Lemon and Chap and Hastings, mm -hmm. who are not in the books. Sure. Very much at all. Like, sure. They're this much in the books and like this much in the shows, mm, right? Sure. So they have done it the other way. Instead of developing Poirot, they developed side characters to make it more of a story more of a, a collection or a, a cast that we follow yeah yeah he's yeah david suchet is my favorite poirot i really yeah well i, I adore mean, him he set out to do it perfectly mm -hmm. and, yes and i feel he's even more perfect than i mean i think mrs christie would be just like gobsmacked i think she would too <laughs> yeah like oh my god you jumped out of my head yeah she um, apparently really liked Albert Finney in the 1974 murder on the Orient Express, and yeah. right, rightfully so. He's he's excellent. The whole that whole he's cast is excellent. incredible, and you can almost see the the connection between the Albert Finney Poirot and and um, mm -hmm. David Suchet's mm -hmm. very similar. Whereas you know Peter Ustinov is more in the Kenneth Branagh. Yes, yes, yes. A little <laughs> yeah. a little flashy. Yeah. And um, yeah. so when Agatha Christie saw Murder on the Orient Express, the 1974 version, um, supposedly she said afterward that he, he is, Albert Finney is as close to Poirot as I could have imagined, um, except that his uh, mustaches were not quite as flamboyant as she had pictured in her own mind. <laughs> so, uh, which I think is funny. But when you yeah. see some of the early people who played Poirot on the yeah. early like the 30s and you're just horrified like and, and and rightly so so is she I mean these are the same people who who thought Miss Marple was Margaret Rutherford mm. what? Mm -hmm. like it just doesn't even pass the cognitive test so <laughs> this is why she was also very hesitant to mm -hmm. you know license her stuff because mm. people were not drawing or, or creating what was in her head so yeah, so maybe it's out of her hands and somebody could go in a direction that she might not appreciate or, you and, know, yeah, she really chop up that. the plot and the story or change the characters in ways yeah. that maybe she would not have approved of. Yeah, I mean, there's ways to change the characters and change the story and stuff for modern sensibilities, or just to make it a little different because you're going to set it somewhere. I mean, you know, Shakespeare has been, Romeo and Juliet has been done everywhere, <laughs> yes. every different type of, of way. Yeah. So I think she's okay with that, but as long as you keep the core, mm -hmm. you can't change the murderer and you can't change the murder. Mm -hmm. Like, that is the puzzle. Mm -hmm. So... If you have different people playing different pieces of the puzzle, that's okay, mm -hmm. in my opinion. But if you change the puzzle, then it's really not Christie, is it? Right. Uh, yeah. to, to what degree has um, community and sort of like a collective experience of Agatha Christie kind of, you know, motivated your interest in Agatha Christie over the years? For example, you know Dr. John Curran. He wrote the foreword to your book. But, you know, you've traveled to England, you've been to Agatha Christie's houses. So, you know, as you've built sort of a community of people who love a, 
Agatha Christie or, you know, become part of these communities. Has this sort of fed your interest in Agatha Christie? Oh, oh, in leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. really. Like before I was just a Christie fan and mm-hmm. I read all her books, mm-hmm. but I went to BoucherCon first because I've also read all the Peter Robinsons and, and you know, all Colin Dexter and mm-hmm. all of them. So mm-hmm. I was, I'm a big mystery fan, mm-hmm. so... Um, but I'd always wanted to go to the one in England for yeah. Christie. Mm-hmm. Always, mm-hmm. you know, she was she was my first love, right? Mm-hmm. So then when I got there and found all these people, like it was like, oh my god, you could talk to anyone. Yeah. We all knew the same things. We all kind of had the same experience of reading Christie, and and that's just the fans. And then I got to meet and get to know the people who wrote the books that they were presenting there. And and Kemper Donovan and uh, Carla Valentine and Dr. Mark Mark uh, Goodridge. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Like these are really fascinating people mm-hmm. who spent years studying. And and you know, John wrote his PhD on Christie. Wow! Incredible. So yeah, these people know a lot about Christie. I was so nervous that first time I went on with Kemper because I knew he knew more than I did, but. Mm-hmm. I was able to hold my own with Kemper, so that was I said, okay. <laughs> I thought, okay, now I know I can do this. So mm-hmm. it was great. Mm-hmm. And John um, Kern interviewed me at the festival this year about mm-hmm. the book. So oh, that awesome. was great fun. I was going to ask if you get to present your book at one of these festivals. I did. I Wonderful. did. And it was the very last thing that happened. And so most people had left, but I still almost filled the uh, the barn. Mm-hmm. And it was great fun and John yeah John asked questions and he tried to stump me <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we did good it was great yeah. I really enjoyed it yeah yeah he's a very nice man and really supportive mm-hmm. of you know the whole Christie thing as I say he's been going to that festival showing up every year for 20 years sure yeah and hopefully hopefully I'll get to present next year as well that yeah, incredible yeah, that would be awesome. To, I'm hoping to do breakfast at Greenway. Ooh. Yeah, someone has to serve hors d'oeuvres or make something from your book and put them in something. the sideboard or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah, afternoon so, yeah, tea. I'm, I don't know how we're going to do this. I've, I've got about five ideas, so mm-hmm. I'm going to write to the um, the coordinator soon. And Incredible, yeah. So what do you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think that would be it's amazing. Um, so you've read, you know, all 66 novels multiple times, as you said. So mm-hmm. what, you know, after all of these rereadings, which ones rise to the surface for you? Which ones resonate most with you? Um, well, the one I mentioned I um, was speaking about is uh, The Five Little Pigs. Mm-hmm. Murder, I think it's called Murder in Retrospect in, in the States. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um it's just a wonderfully well-written story. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing because there's no action really at all. Mm-hmm. He talks to all five people and then all five people write him sort of a, a letter about what happened. Yes. And then he has a meeting of them and puts it together. It's it's a practically perfect mystery. Mm-hmm. So I really, really enjoy that. That's one all one of my all-time faves i like the hollow i love the characterizations in the hollow Hmm. 
Um, Dr. Dr. Curran does not like The Hollow. He thinks it should have been one of Mary West McCart's books uh, rather than oh, really? one of the mysteries. Yeah. He says there's just not much of a puzzle. <laughs> what do you like about it you so, said the characterizations would i love the characterizations i you know there's there's just so many layers in um on the subject of love mm-hmm. whether you know from love of medicine and and his his whole love of what he does and then there's this artist and and there's poor gerda and her version of love and mm-hmm. then there's the love of the land and and this starlet that shows up that loved John Christo from years ago and never got over it. So there's just all these different layers being explored and how they fit into the murder. So mm-hmm. it's just one of my personal faves. Yeah. I quite like the blue train, which is not one of Christie's favorites because she wrote it right after her disappearance and, you know, mm. was just anxious to get it done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she didn't love that book. I think it had too many memories for her, but mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was great fun. Mm-hmm. Castle puddings are from that. I was going to say, that's the castle pudding one. It's <laughs> <laughs> delicious, folks. Yeah. So, yeah, those are a few of my faves. I mean, mm-hmm. of course. I love the the big famous ones. I mean, the the murder of Roger Ackroyd mm-hmm. was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's wonderful, mm-hmm. and a fun one that I just adore is the man in the brown suit. Mm. And if you haven't read that, just read it for fun. Okay, it's so fun. I just want to be in Bedingfeld. It's, it's that fun. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I have not. I have not read that. I'm. I would. I will do that. Um, your your um you know your modern day sexist eyebrow will raise all the way <laughs> to the top of your head. Sure, well, they do in a lot of. Let's be I, clear and... about that. But put that aside yeah. and enjoy just the raw romance and crazy. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the case with most everything we're reading. There's, you know, there are questionable <laughs> sentences, paragraphs, Absolutely. pages, and we just, you know, we we plow through and um yeah. Yeah, I think you yeah. have to when you're going in historical order. There's a mm-hmm. lot of things that, are, that you know, not just food has changed mm-hmm. over time. Exactly. Kemper calls it stuck in its time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a pretty good description. You mm-hmm. know, it, this is a little bit stuck in its time. Yeah. yeah. But nevertheless, a good romp is a good romp. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, in the different books we've read, I feel like Agatha Christie tends to hold up or be a little bit more evergreen than some of the authors where um, it can start to feel really dated in some of them that yeah. we've read. Whereas um, Christy, I, I tend to not feel that as much or get bogged down by that. What do you think? No, I think with Christy, there's just a few references and it's more those things, the descriptions of, of people or that kind of stereotyping mm-hmm. that she, she can do in her class did. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's so much more accessible, so much more concise, so much more committed to the puzzle and the themes that she doesn't get bogged down in. Because I know uh, I have lent a few Dorothy Sayers to a couple of friends of mine, mm-hmm. and they've returned them going, well, that's dated. Yeah. <laughs> Even and, the language you know, sounds a little like uh-huh. like it's too vernacular. And it didn't yeah. travel, whereas Christie seems less, a little Lord, bit less Lord vernacular. Lord Peter Whimsey is very, um, I think, 
when when he has dialogue, I find it very hard to follow. Yeah, there's a lot of references, and I'm like, I think I'm not getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As mm-hmm. I didn't live at that time. Exactly, and yeah, with other stuff. <laughs> Karen's just gone off camera Sorry. to get something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um... Yeah, yeah. So um, Agatha Christie also was super well-traveled, and um, that so she she very much took her life experience and channeled it into the novels, stories, plays that she wrote. And, you know, one of your favorite novels, I think, is Death on the Nile. Um, Murder on the Orient Express is, is another. It, it, there's so many books where they're not confined to England, but the characters are traveling. They're elsewhere. And uh, so there's this really interesting sort of global aspect to a lot of her books that I find find really fun. Yeah, it is. Well, the one I just talked about, The Man in the Brown Suit, mm-hmm. pretty accurately follows her first travel with Archie mm-hmm. around the world when um, they did that trip for the British Empire. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of that follows mm-hmm. as far as... Uh, south africa goes Mm -hmm. so that was i find that really fun because it's taken just directly from her travels yeah um the orient express as Mm -hmm. well it's basically said i think this is how it goes after her divorce she bought a ticket to the caribbean Mm -hmm. and then she went to a dinner party where people were talking about the middle east and she found out her favorite train she used to go to the station and just look at the Orient Express. Yeah. She found out that her favorite train actually went to the Middle East mm-hmm. and she went the next day and traded her ticket to the Caribbean for a trip on the Orient Express and that was her first journey on it and she never looked back. Yeah. Have you been on the train? Just, no. I'm Wouldn't dying to go. Yes, I yeah. am big, too. I'm a big train lover. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know too. that it exists in the same way right now. Um It kind of does. They've been refurbishing mm. it. They have okay. a couple of the, uh, David Suchet, I think has a special on it. Oh. They've re- they've refurbished a line mm-hmm. and it goes from uh Paddington Station in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it goes all the way to Istanbul. Istanbul. Awesome. Right, because the book, so the first sentence of Murder on the Orient Express starts, you know, we, we learn they're in, he's in Syria. And so yeah. it would have moved from Syria to Istanbul, and then um, it's... Yeah, he took a journey to Istanbul, and that's mm-hmm. where he picked up the train. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on... It does all sorts of short journeys, too. I've looked at it. You can go just from Paris to Venice. Interesting. Oh, that sounds very good. It's like just a, just a one nighter. Yeah, well, like I want to get only five grand. Yeah, <laughs> was, well, if that's yeah. if that's all, that's I'm the discount in. trip. Yeah, and that's the second class berth. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I would love to to do it, and then you know, get off at all of these different places. Yeah, you know, the train exactly. stops, and I flee the train and come back the next day, sort of thing. Um, but we're we're about to read Murder on the Orient Express for November, and mm. um, one interesting thing we were talking about maybe some some of Agatha Christie's writing is dated the way a lot of writers of that period what what they're writing maybe doesn't quite hold up at times. Um, but there's an interesting aspect to Murder on the Orient Express where we have um, 
a princess. We have servants. We have, um, you know, a German woman. We have Hungarian, uh, very wealthy Hungarian couple. We have Poirot, um, who is Belgian. We have a Greek doctor. We ha we have all these different, and we have Americans, and and Americans really also this American idea or ideal yeah. comes into play, but. Um, it's it's almost it in some ways feels like for me uh, an American novel because of all of these different classes well, and, and and the root of it is American. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, the story so that that the story comes from an American story. Mm -hmm. So and you know and that is in one way part of the solution mm -hmm. that the whole thing looks so very American mm -hmm. here in the middle of the Alps. How yeah. did that happen? Right. So, yeah, no, so that's, see, she does, she's very clever. And apparently, one time when she was taking the train, it got stuck. Mm -hmm. And I think oh. that time it was a rain storm or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she was stuck for, for two days. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where this all sort of came from. She she loved her trains. And, and she had this metec meticulous attention to detail where, Supposedly, when she was on the or the the um, Calais coach or whatever the the train was that she was yep. on, she would look at where the door handles were and um, if you're <laughs> going to press a call button or yeah. So you know, um, there's a bag. Uh, Mrs. Hubbard has a bag that is supposedly covering the lock of the door at one point, so she couldn't tell whether the door between her room and Mister Ratchet's room had been locked and. Agatha Christie knew the layout of this train. She knew what she was talking about. Everything, everything was um, honored the detail of the train, which I think. Except she never told us what a sponge bag is. Oh, it is a sponge. I'm bag. gonna look that up. I, I was like, get me to Google. What is the sponge bag? That's why I just when I was even just talking, I said I'm just gonna edit that out and just call. She has a bag on the door, but what is a sponge bag? I know. I, yeah, I'm often Googling and circling things to go back and Google as I read yeah. these books. Maybe it's, it has something to do with bathing. I don't know. We, we will find out because <laughs> I, I I marked it in my book and said, what in the world? Um, world is... <laughs> now, um, Agatha Christie's father was American. Yes. Yeah. So, I like, what do you know about, you know, her, her sense of being British, her sense of being half American, her sense of being European, her sense of the world, like, what, what can you tell us I about? Feel she saw herself as a British woman. Okay. I think pretty much clearly. Mm -hmm. There, there is a story, you know, a couple of times she did go to America. She did, you know, find her family's graveyard mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, but the way she treats Americans in her books is if they're something completely other. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're just hilariously something other. Yeah. You know, um, like Mrs. Hubbard. They're yeah. the titans. They're titans of industry or they're over the top. Uh -huh. or, yeah. It's really, really fun. They're loud. So I yeah. don't think she really saw herself as, as part Brit. Mm -hmm. I'm not entirely sure she saw herself as European either. Mm. Um, she had, she wasn't formally educated, although she did do a finishing school mm -hmm. in um, France and maybe maybe i think i'm thinking switzerland but i think she hated it so much she ended up in france mm. 
So, but she doesn't really seem to be a part of that culture. And I know she had to be convinced by her husband, Max, to vote for uh, going into the European Union when Britain went into the European mm. Union in the 70s. Interesting. So she did think of herself as, well, as a housewife. It's how she primarily saw herself. But I think she saw herself more as an adventurer in some ways. Mm. Like, she really did that. I mean, we're talking like a woman in her, you know, 60s, mm -hmm. 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. sleeping in these dirt caravans, mm -hmm. like, out in, out in the, um, the dig with her husband. And it's, it's really quite challenging stuff I'm reading about thinking, I wouldn't do that. Sure. Like, was there no glamping? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. So. Mm -hmm. To talk about the, the housewife. So. Um, she she did see herself as a housewife. She signed every one of her passports as housewife. Mm -hmm. That was her occupation. Interesting. She's the best-selling author in you know ever of her time, <laughs> and she writes housewife. Best-selling after the Bible and Shakespeare, yeah. it's Agatha Christie, yeah. housewife. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know, isn't it though? Mm -hmm. She never really saw she. She was taught as she believed as a young woman that she lost her husband because she didn't pay enough attention to him. Ooh. Her first husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He had a mistress and wanted to right. leave her. And she disappeared for what? 10 days. Is that the story? Yeah. Nobody knows where she went. She went to um, Harrogate Spa ah. for the most part. She, um, she had an amnesia or was in a fugue state of some sort. Hmm. I think she just had a breakdown. Yeah. Her mother died and then her husband announces that he's leaving her for a younger woman. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. And she I blamed herself? Yeah. Huh. She blamed herself. I mean, and she was only like 32 or 33 at the time. Sure. She's not that old. So, and you know, she was just breaking into this. She had just written, they just published, um, the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, one of the best things she ever wrote. She just had just written, mm -hmm. but she didn't even really see that because no, you know, this all happened too much. And this young woman had been a friend of theirs, and oh. you know, she she was the golfer, and she sort of turned Archie on to golfing, and mm -hmm. then she didn't want to go that often. Well, it turns out he was golfing with her all the time. Mm, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Not great. <laughs> but she felt that this was her fault. So she really did focus on her second husband mm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was quite an intellectual mm -hmm. and she felt more of a lowbrow. She called him highbrow. She was lowbrow. Wow. Because she wrote for the masses mm -hmm. and he wrote for, obviously, for the intellectual scholars of the time. Sure. So she loved what he did, though. She, you know, mm -hmm. I think she came by that quite naturally. She really liked it. Mm -hmm. So she would go out and she learned using cold cream, how to clean things that were dug up. And but she was in no part leading that. Mm -hmm. That was them. Mm -hmm. And so she looked after the house and the home and she wrote a book on the side. But that's how she <laughs> saw herself. Like, you know, mm -hmm. oh, I just took an hour out to do a little writing. Oh, you've come for coffee. No, no matter. I'll put that away. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, it's I just always her secondary thing mm -hmm. in spite of the fact. 
I think maybe as she got into her 60s and 70s, she started to realize that, yeah, she'd done something pretty amazing and uh, was more about it then. She was always more about it with the play, the plays. She hmm. loved the plays. She <laughs> loved the whole theater thing. That was hmm. something she was really taken with. Interesting. So she was much more serious about that, went to all of the openings, knew all of yeah. the directors, producers, mm -hmm. and was much more into that than either the books or the um, TV or anything like that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so um, the murder of Roger Ackroyd, um, you know, deservedly famous book, extremely clever and, and well done. It's a yeah. contra it's a controversial book, and um, I mean, y you are part of this larger Agatha Christie community. What mm -hmm. I mean, what what is the response? You know, what is your response to that? The controversy around the book, and I'm not sure how far I should go into that. Uh, <laughs> in case somebody has not read it yet, we have read it this year, and we have a couple podcast episodes on it, but. I, I mean, what's your thought about the controversy or what you've heard even in, in your years of studying? I actually don't think it's controversy. I think okay. that, you know, I think she did it. She did it very well. Mm -hmm. um, she first tried it in The Man in the Brown Suit. Mm. And um, she's tried it in one or two others. Mm -hmm. There's the same sort of trick. Okay. And... The clues are all there. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's all I can say. The mm -hmm. second and third time you read it, the clues are all there. Mm -hmm. She is not playing unfair. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, I think I think in the murder, the mysterious murder at Styles is less fair mm -hmm. than the murder of Roger Ackroyd. Interesting. All of those things are there for Roger Ackroyd. Mm -hmm. you, you just have to re get them. Whereas in the mysterious murder. Murder at Styles, you pretty much have to be a chemist to figure yeah. out how that works. Sure. Well, and same with um, Orient Express. There's no way that you could possibly figure out Orient Express. I think that that's, that's I disagree entirely. <laughs> Having reread it, I yeah. don't know how anyone could not understand what's happening. Well, but you have to know about this whole he, he starts with this they have a little letter and he knows what it connects to in the news. Mm -hmm. Well, sure. <laughs> well, without that, we right, would have been lost. Right. But he, he does share that. No, could never. Um, well, and there's also the the different knife, the the different depths and ferocity of the knife attack. Mm -hmm. Right. I the mean, body. there's there's clues. I think that that's, but... that's the biggest clue of all. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask about the rereading because the first time. I read Roger Ackroyd. I was blown away. And the second time, like you said, I was like, oh, my goodness, it's so clear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like screaming out what the ending should be. When you're yeah. rereading everything, do you, that's the only one I've ever reread. Um, do you often have that experience? Do you forget some of the endings and then you're surprised oh, again? Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, maybe not completely the ending, but I'm surprised by the clues being laid out mm -hmm. and being so obvious. Yeah. I think in the second time, I always laugh more because I catch her jokes. Mm, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I think you appreciate the bits and pieces. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Way more on the second time because in the first time you're going, what's going on? Uh -huh. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I really. Enjoying the book. 
I want to talk to some people who are going to be reading Murder on the Orient Express for the first time to see what they get and when they get it, if at all. Or mm-hmm. are they taken by surprise? It might be hard with that one because it's such a famous movie. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, especially with Kenneth Branagh having redone it. And the, yeah. the 1974 is, is phenomenal. And, ni- and the, it's still out there. Mm-hmm. And the 1974 starts with the the um, Daisy Armstrong newspaper mm. picture. So yeah. it, um, whereas it's integrated into the novel pretty quickly, Poirot is able to figure out that this is related to this kidnapping of this three-year-old child. In the, in the 1974 version, we see the newspaper clippings as that's how the movie yeah. launches. So we understand, we have this shared understanding, which is critical to understanding what's going to happen in, in the story. Um, but yeah, it's the rereading of murder, um, the murder of Roger Ackroyd. I felt the same way as Sarah, where it was obvious to me as I was reading what what the narrator was withholding, what the narrator was sharing. What uh, it was so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did have a talk um, at the last <laughs> festival about this. Some of them, the tricks are so big that after you've reread it once, maybe twice, mm-hmm. it doesn't stand up well long mm-hmm. after that because it was a one trick pony. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the other ones I'm talking about, like the five little pigs, yeah. you would read that again and again and go, Oh, that, Oh, hmm. I, oh I still enjoy that yeah. description. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was more about the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And so, yeah, Murder on the Orient Express, and then there were none, and the murder of Roger Ackroyd really fit that. They're great the first time through. They're amazing. The second time through, it becomes like, oh. Mm -hmm. And the third time through, you've read it. Yes. No, that's, yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. And one thing Sarah and I have talked, because we are studying the history of mystery in this podcast. We're reading these Mm -hmm. books, starting with Edgar Allan Poe, uh, the murders in the room morgue, and then moving forward in time, is a lot of the murders in these earlier stories, and maybe also the mysterious affair at Styles, Agatha Christie's first book. Many of these murders, the reader could not have figured out, no matter how many times you reread it, because there are things happening behind the scenes, things that uh, you know, yeah. Dupin in in. In Poe or um, Sherlock Holmes, that they, they they're figuring stuff out that maybe is not on the page, and so we we can't be involved in that process. Did you see sort of an evolution of Agatha Christie style from Mysterious yeah, no, Affair? Yeah, I think that's one of the the. It's her first one. Mm-hmm. She didn't mean it to be anything, but it what it was. Mm-hmm. But she did use some knowledge she had from her years at the dispensary Mm -hmm. that the rest of us did not have. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that she did that again. Mm -hmm. Most of like the one that follows up, like, and and this is in the mysteries, not the thrillers, thrillers, right? Mm -hmm. But the puzzle mysteries, Um, murder on the links, for instance. Now, again, she's using a old story, but it's worked right in. Mm -hmm. So, you can't really, you know, say it's not not being revealed to you. It is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she worked really hard on that after that, which is why they, you know, 
the big fuss about the murder of Roger Ackroyd because mm -hmm. people weren't expecting that. Right, <laughs> right. And it's influenced you know. so many authors since then. Uh, you know, I, absolutely. Yeah, I'm the unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The the first Elizabeth George I read. You know, I won't spoil yeah. anything in that, but um, you see that that theme appearing over and over. And do you find that? I, mean, I know you are a lover of mysteries, but do you find just tons of mysteries written today or even in recent decades? Just they could not have happened without Agatha Christie. And and the authors will tell you that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I did have a bit of a, a time where I started asking authors all mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. you know. So how did Christie influence your work? You know, every time I went to a book festival and stuff. Mm -hmm. So what was interesting, I thought, is the women were far more verbose about it. And mm -hmm. actually, I didn't even have to ask. It mm -hmm. was part of their talks. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking Louise mm -hmm. Penny, Val McDermott. Mm -hmm. They just came right out and said, yeah, uh, the men you had to ask. Mm. And they all absolutely admitted that they had read Christie as sure. a kid. And um, for sure, I mean, you know, like I said, her plots are like Shakespeare. They're just being used over and over uh -huh. and over again because they're classic. They are. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, mostly money. And after that, it's, you know, love and um, <laughs> hiding hiding in love but um, mm -hmm. it's mostly money mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I always look for the money yeah yeah I wanted to ask you too so far in in our book club um, we've just been introduced to Hercule Poirot but in reading your cookbook you bring up a lot of other of her sort of thematic detective sets could you tell us about the different detectives in her book and maybe if you have any favorites well, there's obviously Hercule Poirot and then uh, Miss Marple. And I do love Miss Marple. Um, I don't know. I tried to decide, is it Marple or is it Poirot? I mm -hmm. think when I was younger, it was Poirot. Mm -hmm. As I get older, maybe it's Marple. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I love Tommy and Tuppence. Tommy and Tuppence, Bereford, start off in The Secret Adversary as two young people just fresh out of World War One. And uh, they've met up again, and um, they end up getting married. And they are the only two that naturally age. Hmm. They get married. They huh. have children. Their children grow up. They go into World War II. They become old people. They're the only two that do that. So that that's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, now, two of her, a few of her other detectives don't really appear too much in the novels. They're more short stories. And I'm thinking of Parker Pine um, and Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. So mm. they, they don't. Ariana, uh, Ad, no, Adria, Adriana, Adriana, Ariadne, Ariadne. It's Ariadne it. Oliver, oh yeah. <laughs> Ariadne <laughs> Oliver. Man, that's a name. I For sure. <laughs> So she shows up periodically through mm -hmm. quite a few of, uh, she doesn't have any standalones, but she's in a, quite a few of the Poirot ones. Mm -hmm. So she's a lot of fun. She's apparently the, you know, the personification yeah. of, of Christine the alter ego. Like, yeah, because she's a mystery uh, novelist. Yeah, She's a mystery novelist and she hates the public. Mm -hmm. and she doesn't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of Christie's opinions mm -hmm. get, get shoved oh. out, of, uh, out of her mouth. So that's always a lot of fun. Um, 
who else are there? Well, there's a lot of standalones. So there's mm-hmm. like one shot, you know, pe- detectives in each one of them. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Aunt Bedingfeld in, in The Man in the Brown Suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lovely young woman in the Sidiford Mystery, uh, Superintendent Battle. Mm-hmm. You have um, the sort of Tommy and Tuppence, the um, Bobby and Lady. What's her name from? You know, this is the one that um, was just done. Mm. Let's get the book. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because your your book has six sixty six recipes for sixty six novels, so I know they do them by recipes. So yeah. Yeah, I've been referring actually to your book for uh, the list of <laughs> the list of the novels Agatha Christie's written. I'm like, well, the easiest way I can get that is from recipes oh, for murder. Right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why didn't they ask Evans? Oh, okay. Yeah, there's Bobby and Lady Lady Fran- Lady Frankie. Okay. So they're sort of a a, a different version of the mm-hmm. Tommy and Tuppence, hmm. which I think was she kind of based on herself and Archie. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. In the early days, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of those young couples, and then you get sort of more into the the superintendents and mm-hmm. and you know, like Murder Is Easy is a um, I think it's a police officer from South Africa or something mm-hmm. that solves that mystery. So mm-hmm. a little bit of difference all over the place, but yeah, no, there are there are. Poirot dominates because that's what her public wanted. Sure. But there is a fair smattering of other ones. Another one I would highly recommend as you get older is endless older. As you get into the next decade. Yes. <laughs> is Endless Night. Mm-hmm. Endless Night. Yeah, 1967. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she is 76 years old at that time. Mm-hmm. And the the person who speaks through that mm-hmm. is you know a 20 20 something young man from the wrong side of the tracks mm-hmm. and she has his voice perfectly oh, huh. interesting and think about it you know she's like your grandmother yeah. and she's writing like yeah. your kid brother yeah <laughs> and gets it right yeah Yes, I mean, obviously, seriously talented, a, a mystery genius. Um, yeah, who I I will say I adore. Yeah, she's she's yeah. great. Her characterizations and her puzzles are just <laughs> magnificent. Mm-hmm. Like really, I, and nobody, I, nobody's done it as well, mm-hmm. or certainly as often. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Karen, yeah. this has been a delightful conversation. I'm sure we could go on at length with all of these Agatha Christie's um, and your book, Recipes for Murder. Where can folks get that? Where can they find you on social media? I have a Instagram site called Recipes for Murder. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you can get the book online anywhere. But my always my suggestion is to go to your local bookstore like Let's support our local vendors. Mm -hmm. And if you go in there and ask them to order it, chances are they'll order a couple more and your neighbors will get to see it too. Which is great. That's, I love that idea. Yeah. 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 Um, So for more information about 
Karen about recipes for murder, about all of the podcast episodes that we have. We have more than 40 now, which is incredible. <laughs> um, check out our website, tetonicandtoxin.com. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Tetonic and Toxin. And subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Yeah, thank you, Karen. Thanks for being with us. Karen, this is amazing. Thank you. Until next thank time. Thank you. It's been great fun. And good luck with your uh with your book club sounds intriguing i'll have to join your your podcast please do <laughs> please do mm-hmm. and until then I will. stay mysterious <laughs>